Exodus chapter 11 this morning. Last week we looked at the idea of the danger of not listening to God and and certainly we know Pharaoh was resistant and and did not hearken unto the Lord and and we understand that God was working in all of that. Um, But this morning we're going to talk about how to be blessed by God. And uh, we'll look at uh, three key requirements for being blessed as we go through this account of uh, of the Passover here in Exodus chapter 11 and, and, and 12. Uh, but the battle between Pharaoh and Jehovah uh, over Israel leaving Egypt is about to end. Uh, Pharaoh will concede and, and, and let them go. Uh, I, get, I say concede, but he, he really is beaten. Um, but um, after enduring the nine plagues, he just continues to refuse to let the people go and and uh, God will send a severe plague, of the most severe of all, of the death of the firstborn here. And uh, so I think there's some applications I'd like to draw out for, for us this morning. But let's begin by reading uh, Exodus chapter 11, all, uh, all ten verses here. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet I will bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out. Hence, altogether, speak now in the ears of the people and let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne, even unto the firstborn of the maid servant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. <clears throat> but again, any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that they may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptian and, the, and Israel. And all these thy servants shall come down unto me, and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. And Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, so that he would not let the children of Israel go, out of his land. And so this morning, as I mentioned, I want to we'll highlight three things or three key things that we need to do uh, in order to have God's blessing in our life. Um, the first one, it starts with responding to God immediately. Oftentimes we like to wait and delay. Um, <clears throat> but when God speaks, we need to be obedient immediately. Uh, in chapter 11, verses 4 through 6, Moses tells Pharaoh uh, that at about midnight, the Lord's going to go through the camp or, or through the country or through all the land, and every firstborn Egypt, Egyptian, and as well as the beasts, are going to be killed. Uh, they're going to die, and, and the result will be the greatest cry of grief that they've ever seen or heard of. And uh, so Pharaoh will know God makes a distinction between the Egyptians. We saw there that there's going to be a distinction between the Egyptians and the people of Israel, look what it says in verse 11, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue 
against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. In other words, it's going to be so peaceful for the Israelites, not even a dog's growl will be heard. Uh, I find that interesting. And uh, amongst all this death and grief, uh, there's going to be a peace in the camp of Israel. And there will be no harm to the people. And uh, Moses tells Pharaoh, all of his servants will come down to him uh, and, and tell them to, to get out. And uh, it's kind of a, a little prophetic stuff there in verses 7 and 8. And, and all thy servants shall come down unto me, uh, bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Uh, but in verse 10 we see that the, it says the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. And so how can Pharaoh be held accountable if God hardened his heart? And if you remember from last week, I kind of addressed this. I shared some of Adam Clark's commentary on it. Uh, but what I want to say this morning is God didn't manipulate Pharaoh. Uh, God knows Pharaoh will harden his own heart. Uh, just because God is omniscient. He knows what people are going to do. And, and uh, he knows everything past, present, and future. And so sometimes we can get confused in our Bible reading at times. But we must remember Psalm 9411, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of man. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And we also see in this book of Exodus many times uh, how God understood this in advance. And, and we, it's really clear to me in Scripture that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. You can look back at chapter 8, verse 15, 8, 19, and 32. These are, th- these are places where God said Pharaoh, or Pharaoh hardened his heart. Uh, and so we know God's not a respecter of persons. Uh, God didn't destined Pharaoh to hell, um, Pharaoh had a choice to respond to God. And uh, <clears throat> God doesn't show any favoritism. And uh, he would not treat Pharaoh differently than anyone else. I believe everyone has an opportunity to be saved. Uh, and one example that we can think of is the sun that melts butter also hardens clay. Interesting, right? Right? Uh, how different materials may respond to the heat of the sun, uh, the UV rays. And, uh, and so as God touches and softens some hearts, uh, that same God will harden others uh, the, in the way that those individuals respond. When God speaks to you, we need to say yes immediately. Uh, if we don't, guess what happens the next time he speaks? It becomes easier and easier to say no because we begin to harden our hearts, because we're resisting God. And, and sometimes we feel like, oh, we're getting away with this thing, so it's easier to get harder and harder. Um, God gives us a warning in Hebrews 4, 7. Uh, it says this, in the, well, I'll read the whole verse. And he limiteth a certain day, saying to, in, in David, today, after so long a time, it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So it really has to do with our response to God. And that is uh, in reference uh, there in Hebrews to Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7 says this, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. So the reality is sometimes we just need to understand who God is. He's the Maker. And look at verses 8 and 11 in, in Psalm 95. It goes on to say this, Today, if we will hear His voice, harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation, in the wilderness, whether your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is the people that do err in their heart 
and that they know or that they have not known my ways unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. And so, listen, the reality is it was because of their unbelief and the hardness of their heart that they did not receive the blessings of God in their life. And, of course, we know that that psalm is in reference to the people of Israel after these events that we're looking at here, but I think it's applicable to help us understand this hardening of Pharaoh's heart. The truth of the matter is we do not believe God oftentimes. Pharaoh didn't believe God. We, we saw last week as the plagues would come, what happens when, when God brought relief? Pharaoh just, uh, he just hardened his heart. He just, uh, the frogs are gone. We're good to go. And how, how often that is the case in our lives. And in our example, the people of Israel in these verses, they didn't enter into the Lord's rest because of their unbelief, the word of God tells us. Uh, Hebrews 3, 15 through 19, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It's simply uh, doubting in the reality of who God is. Uh, despite the Lord, what he had done for the people, they still lacked the faith and hardened their hearts. They did not trust God. Uh, they were resistant to what he was doing. Oh, and how often we are guilty of the same today. Listen, I'm afraid that many of us allow our desire for temporal pleasure and immediate gratification to overshadow the word of the maker. Because we're living in the moment. We're not being obedient to the word of God. Uh, we're living in the flesh. And consequently, what do we do? We miss the blessings of God in our life. I mean, we're not in that stage of this, this study yet, but the people of Israel were a hard people. Stiff-necked. And they just refused to submit themselves. And so, uh, listen, we need to listen to God immediately when he speaks. They experience God's blessing in this account because they are obedient and they respond and, and they do what God has instructed them to do. And, and that leads us to this thought of we need to follow God's instructions precisely. If God gives directions, we need to follow them. Uh, and we'll see how critical it is here in the Passover. Boy, if they just decided to do it their way, what do you think would have happened? God had prescribed it to be done specifically in a certain way. Uh, and, and he would pass over them. And so like the other, this final plague is going to attack an Egyptian, Egyptian god. Uh, Pharaoh was believed to be, uh, they believed him to be the reincarnation of Ray, the sun god. And, and they figured his firstborn son would be the lineage of him uh, later on. And so when God uh, deals with them in this way, the victory over the Egyptians, God's would be complete. All the other plagues show, and so God's just going to complete his uh, defeating of, the, of the, the gods of the Egyptians. And Numbers 33, 4 says this, For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn. Buried all their first Buried. I need to go to English class. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord had smitten among them. Upon their gods also the Lord executed judgment. What a reminder of it is that there are a lot of things that we can put in our lives that take the place of God. 
And uh, God can deal with those things in our life. Uh, listen, we just need to understand He is the maker. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah. And so God delivers this fatal blow to the Egyptian gods. He also establishes an ordinance uh, with the people of Israel here, uh, known as the Passover. In chapter 12, we see this in verses twelve through or 2 through 5. Let's read chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to every... Uh, take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the house be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto him take it, it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count of the lamb, for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And so God tells them on the tenth day, that they're to take a lamb, and, and of course we know on the 14th day uh, they will kill that lamb. But God gives them an ordinance here, and uh, this first month is, is likely April. Um, there is some discussion that possibly in the March time frame. Uh, but nonetheless, <clears throat> but each family is supposed to take a lamb for this Passover, and it must be a year old and, and without blemish. There are no defects in it. And uh, getting a little bit ahead of myself, but what a, a great picture of our Savior. And uh, they are to care for this, this lamb until the 14th day of the month, and at twilight they'll slaughter it. Verse 7 in chapter 12 says this, And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And so they're to slaughter this lamb and, and take the, the blood and put it on the doorpost and why was the blood put on the doorpost in those three places? Uh, I think one possible explanation is to draw a line from, from the upper lintel down in, in a cross in a representation of the cross that Christ would die on. Uh, and we know Paul wrote about Christ being our Passover in 1 Corinthians 5, 7. As you are unleavened for even Christ, our Passover sacrificed for you. So certainly this was an emblem or a, or a symbol of what was to come in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And The sprinkling of the blood over the Passover lamb was just that. It was an emblem of the sacrifice and atonement made by Jesus Christ. And I think this is so clear as we read our Bibles and, and certainly in the New Testament. Hebrews 9.14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead work to serve the living God. And of course we know without the shedding of blood is no remission. And so uh, this is a picture of what Christ would do uh, for all of us on the cross. And I think it's remarkable that there was no blood on the threshold. And that would be the bottom. Uh, and Ainsworth says this, it was a reverent regard for the blood of Christ that men should not tread underfoot the Son of God nor count the blood of the covenant wherein they were sanctified an unholy thing. Uh, Hebrews 10, 29, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite on it. Listen, this is a holy thing.
Christ died in our place. And for him to sacrifice himself and to make atonement at the throne in our place, what a holy thing. Just to think of him satisfying the wrath of God. And as the, I'm getting a little ahead of my notes here, but as the destroyer goes through Egypt, he would pass over because of the blood. And uh, this isn't a light thing. He paid a debt he did not owe. You owed a debt you could not pay. And he was without spot, without blemish. He was perfect. The sinless Lamb of God would take our place. And so the same lamb would be roasted and they were instructed to completely consume the lamb along with unleavened bread. And it says bitter herbs, uh, herbs, herbs. They were to eat it fully dressed. And, and so God had given specific direction is what I'm saying this morning. And uh, they were to eat the meal in haste for it was the Lord's Passover. Uh, listen, they were to be ready to leave immediately. God was doing a work here. The Family Bible Notes says this about the herbs, and I thought this was good, uh, good enough to share. Bitter herbs as a memorial of their bitter servitude in Egypt. But as this was a type of worse bondage of sin, these bitter herbs may be taken to represent the bitter fruits of sin and the necessity of repentance in order to salvation. It was not enough for the deliverance of Israel that the lamb should be slain, as its blood struck upon the doorpost, but they must eat of the lamb, and thus a union to form between it and them. So the blood of Christ will save none, but such as are by faith united to him. Just the fact that Christ died is not going to save anyone. We must respond in faith and trust in that perfect work of Christ on the cross. I am the bread of life. This is what Jesus says in John 48, 51 through 51, I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat man in wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh from above, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give you is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And I know there, there may be some, some controversy with some about those verses they think it's literal. I think transubstantiation, uh, talking about when we consume the Lord's Supper, there's nothing in the Scripture that would even indicate that. That's not there. And certainly, uh, taking of the Lord's Supper is not critical to salvation. It's in doing in remembrance of what He's done for us. And, and I think if you just look at John six forty seven, the verses preceding that, it makes it very plain and obvious what the Lord's saying. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, hath everlasting life. You have to believe on him. You have to take part in this. You have to eat of him, if you will. Uh, listen, salvation is Christ and him alone. Amen. There's no working that you're going to do to get yourself saved. Uh, it's, it's a belief in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It is a belief in Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. 
And so this is a picture of what Christ has done for us. Listen, uh, the wrath of God abides upon those that are not in Christ. And so just like the Egyptians, when the death uh, would go through the camp, when the destroyer would go through the camp, uh, when he sees the blood, what's he going to do? Pass over because of the blood. And it is not until we receive Christ by faith that we can have the blood applied to our hearts. And at that point, we can uh, be saved from the wrath to come. So on this night, the Lord says he will pass through the land of Egypt. He's going to kill all the firstborn. Uh, But if there's blood on the doorpost, he will pass over those households, sparing the firstborn there. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, Exodus 12.12, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Listen this morning, we must have the blood of Christ applied to our hearts to be delivered from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 1.10, or excuse me, and to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, listen to what it says, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Listen, this morning, if you don't know Christ, the wrath of God abides upon you. The second death, the lake of fire, uh, commonly referred to today as hell in many people. But listen, just as the people need to apply the blood of the doorpost by faith, they were just by faith being obedient to the instruction of God. And they put the blood of the lamb on those doorposts. And just like they did that uh, here in the Passover in Egypt, Uh, today we must apply the blood of Christ to our hearts by faith. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, the lamb has been slain. But you must respond in faith to have the blood applied in our lives. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen, if you don't know Christ today, you need to trust Him in faith. You need to call upon Him to save you from your sin. And so we know that this is the origin of the Passover here in, in, in uh, Exodus, and it's a memorial, uh, uh, or a memorial and an ordinance forever, it says there in verse 14. But, but God also institutes the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread here. Uh, and uh, these things were so closely uh, related that when we see it in Luke, uh, these things, the Passover and the, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were so closely linked that in Luke 22.1 it says, Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. So they're so closely uh, linked. They're, they were the same thing uh, in, in the minds of, of many. But the <clears throat> Israelites do as God commands. Uh, I think that's the key I want to to get across to you this morning. When God speaks, we need to respond in obedience. Listen, there's no other way under heaven given among men. It doesn't matter what the church says. It doesn't matter what your friends say or what mom and dad say. If you don't know Christ, the wrath of God abides upon you. You need to call out unto Him in faith. And and, and so... 
Some people read a death angel into this passage. I don't see it. It's not anywhere there. And honestly, I don't see it anywhere in Scripture, a death angel. Um, And I know, I think I've heard that preached before from a church that I would consider a good church. Uh, But there is no mention of a death angel here in Exodus. And and I did a search uh, with some Bible software. I didn't find any of it anywhere. It says, in Exodus 12, 23, it says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. This is the Lord doing this work. Um, And listen, just like he is doing this work here, the wrath of God abides upon those that are not in Christ. And listen, it says in, in the latter part of verse 23 in Exodus 12, And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel, and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door. And will not suffer, and look what it says here, the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Uh, that word destroyer is a, is a verb. Um, shokhaf, uh, and it means to decay. And I believe it's descriptive of whatever pestilence or action the Lord took to slay the firstborn. God brought judgment, he says on them. Uh, he would judge all their gods. And so, uh, listen, if you're not in Christ... If the blood has not been applied, the wrath of God, one day you will give an account and spend eternity in the lake of fire outside of Christ. And so they're instructed to observe this Passover year by year. And uh, and in verse 27, it says, when your kids ask what this means, it, uh, it says, it's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered them. And so... I think we can make the application here that, boy, we ought to be telling our children about the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Passover. Listen, parents, if you haven't shared Christ with your children, you need to. It's a blessing to know that my children are saved. I have some text messages uh, that I'm saved. I got my phone's in my office, but I, I have them saved. I was deployed. It's a discussion I got from Cindy, excuse me, about how Carter was asking some questions. And he was talking to Colin and to Caleb. They had already received Christ at this point. And it was how... Carter's two older brothers and his mom led him to the Lord. There is nothing more important in this world than understanding that you're in Christ. And then after that, you need to reach out to everyone else. Because listen, your children, if they're not in Christ, they're not going to heaven because mom and dad were good people. They need the blood of Christ applied to them individually. Your neighbors need the blood of Christ applied to their life or they're going to go to hell. Your coworkers, your schoolmates, they're going to go to hell without the blood of Christ being applied. And how are they going to hear if you never speak? How are they going to hear without a preacher? Listen, it's not about being in full-time ministry. It's about sharing the love that God has demonstrated in your life with everyone that you come in contact with, that the love of God might be shed abroad in their hearts that they don't have to experience the wrath of God. I think we get a little careless about the 
the severity of and the reality of our sin and the sin of the lost. We need to be concerned about everyone around us. They're going to go to hell without Christ. If the blood isn't applied to their life, they're going to hell. And we know that the, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians wake up in the night and, the, and they're, they're just wailing because judgment has come. In life, we have two choices. We can choose to be blessed by God or be judged by God. But if we want to be blessed by God, we need to respond. So respond to God immediately and follow His instructions. There's no other way but in Christ. And lastly, you can trust God's promises completely. And so we know that Pharaoh, as, as chapter 11 uh, indicated, would take place, and we see it, it coming uh, to fruition in, in chapter 12. And uh, Pharaoh sends for Moses and by his servants, and he orders them to leave Egypt. And, and uh, he tells them to take their flocks, herds, and leave. Remember, all this, up to this point, he had all these conditions, right? You can only go so far. You've got to leave this, that. And at this point, he finally resides to understand that God is doing a work and, and just get out of here. He tells them to take their flocks and everything. And an interesting thing, he asks them to, bl- he asks them to bless him. <laughs> and bless me also, uh, 31 and verse 32. And, and uh, no words could show more strikingly the complete submission of Pharaoh, I think, here, to what God has done. The reality, though, and the, the shameful thing is it was a temporary thing. We'll see as we look in in chapter 13, in the, in the coming weeks here. Um, all the Egyptians, they, they urge the Israelites to leave as soon as possible. Uh, they say, we all be dead men. You need to get these people out of here. Look at what it says the Israelites benefit from in verse 35. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look on the, the Israelites favorably here. Man, they begin to give them everything that they request, and they spoil the Egyptians, we see in verse 36. And uh, they've been plundered or, or spoiled, and this is really a fulfillment of God's promise. Uh, over 400 years prior to this, God had told them that they're going to go out with great substance. In Genesis fifteen fourteen, it says, And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards they shall come out with great substance. Might I remind you that you can trust God's promises completely? 400 years prior to these events taking place, God had told them what was going to happen. Can you imagine the difficult days that were here in their lives as they were under bondage? And how hard it might have been to to really believe in the promise of God that he's going to bless them as they depart. Uh, But listen, this morning, we have a God that we can trust. A promise kept that God had made over 400 years, uh, we can trust him completely. And uh, I don't have a lot of time here this morning, but they did go out with a mixed multitude, and and, uh, the scriptures here don't say a lot about that and what that means uh, necessarily. Uh, not much is said about this multitude, but we know that they become a snare to the people. Uh, in Numbers 11, 4 
it says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? And so we know that these, this mixed multitude became a snare in, in, in things to them, but um, that's not the main thought this morning. So here we have, the Bible tells us 600,000 men plus uh, the women and the children and those things. There's as many as 2 million people uh, that uh, go on this exodus or some of the estimates. And, and it's just a remarkable reminder of God keeping his word. When life gets difficult, when life gets hard, when you don't understand how things are going to re- end, just trust him. Uh, he will bring those things to pass that he said he would. And we know God used the cloud as a covering and the fire to light their way. And, and uh, talk about having it made in the shade. And, and I know there's more to this, but what, what I want to tell you this, in obedience to God, when we just obey him and we trust him, he will meet our needs. God wasn't going to call these people out to the wilderness and not provide. But it's only when they begin to doubt him that they start getting in trouble. They allow the mixed multitude maybe to influence their response to what God's doing in their life. Listen, just trust God. And you can have it made in the shade. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to live in a mansion. You might live in a tent in the wilderness. But if God's there, what more do you need? And so this morning, my challenge to you is, are you content with Christ? Because when we're not content with Christ, that's often when we begin looking and we become disobedient. And we begin doubting and not trusting God, even though we may be in the wilderness. We may be in what they call the wandering in the wilderness. Listen, they weren't wandering. God was leading but they were doubting oftentimes, and that's where they get in trouble. And so God help us. And so this morning, you want a blessed life? I'm not saying everything will be sunshine and butterflies. But if you would just respond to God in obedience and trust Him, you can experience the blessing of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I do thank you for the Passover that we have Christ. Thank you. Lord, for sending your son to die in our place for such a wicked people. And Lord, I do pray that if anybody doesn't know Christ, that they would understand that they need to be saved and that they would turn to Christ and be saved today. And Father, I pray that you would take each one of us and that you would conform us to be more like Christ. Help us to share Christ the Passover. Christ the answer. And Father, we do pray that you'd bless the preaching to follow. We ask, Lord, that you would be with our pastor, that you would anoint him from on high, that your word would go forth with power. We pray for the blessing on the singers and the musicians. We, Lord, desire for you to be glorified, and we pray that you would be lifted up today and that all men would be drawn to you. We'll give you the thanks for all you do in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.